Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is a good God. You know, today, during the prophecies, I noticed something that the Lord was encouraging us to hear, to speak, and just have faith, trust in Jesus. You know, Job declared and said, I will declare the decree that God hath decreed of me. We are in a time frame that our words are very important, life and death. The Bible says this in John, the 12th chapter, verse 31, I believe. It says that now is the time that the judgments of God will come to pass. And now is the time that the prince of this world shall be cast out. Now, there are two realities that happens at the cross. One is that the judgments of God are given. And it says, now is the judgment of this world. One translation says, now are the judgments that I have proclaimed for this world. Anybody know what a judgment is? A decree by an authority that is higher than any other that are represented. And then we know that the devil is going to be taken out of the place of dominion and rule. And that's true in the new birth. You and I are translated out of the kingdom of darkness. But what do these judgments have to do? This is not my message, so don't get excited that it's going to be short. But... What I want you to realize is that God has given you a decree. It's not something that you have conjured up, not something you have dreamed up. You have a record of it. And let's just say that you were having a hard time about finances. If I wanted to know what the judge had decreed about me because I could go back and look, everything in a court is recorded. And so you could go back to the court and say, what's been said of me? Right here is the record of the judgments that God has decreed towards those that are born again. Now, he has taken the devil out of place, but you have to decree the judgment. And so what would my judgment be if I was lacking in the area of finances? My decree would be what the authority of the universe said. Because Jesus said all power was given unto him. And I would say this, my God meets all my needs according to his riches in glory. When did God say that? He said it before the foundations of the earth. That's a decree. 
That's a judgment that has been released in this world upon every born-again Christian. The judgment has already been said. Now you have to take a stand for your rights. So now it's time for you to stand up and be like Job and decree what God had decreed about you. Now, I understand finances. I understand zeros. I lived lots of my life on zeros. But when I got born again, God gave me a decree about any financial place that I would end up. And my decree to that need is my God meets all my needs according to his riches and glory. Anything that the enemy brings towards you, decree what God has said about you. What did Jesus say about himself? He said, you know what? They're going to take me, they're going to deliver me up, and they're going to kill me. But know this, God hath said, in three days I will be raised up and I will be alive. Now, he decreed that before he ever died. But that was his answer to the devil provoking him by temptation. I can hear him saying, you're going to die, but stupid, ain't nobody ever raised from the dead by their self. Well, Jesus said, I'm going to. And when I come out of there, I'm having the keys of death and the keys of hell. That was the decree. Amen? So make a decree. Find out what God said about you in the court of justice. Before the foundations ever were, you decree what the devil, what the devil has been removed from and what God has given you the right to have. Amen? All right, praise God. Okay, hallelujah. That leads me to this great subject, money. <clears throat> We're going to talk about money for this month. This is Thanksgiving. You're right, hallelujah. This is Thanksgiving month. And at the end of the month, we're going to receive an offering. I like to call it the Thanksgiving offering. And what it, do, what it does is simply, you have to weigh out how thankful you are. And a lot of you, I, I, I love you, but I just know human nature. You won't. And uh, you'll give $5, $2, $1, going once, going twice, 50 cents. Uh, you're going to do something. But is it really from your heart? And does it really express your thanksgiving to God for what he has done? What he has done. So uh, we're going to talk about money. And I'm going to talk about it in a way that will be weird to you, but... 
it's still going to help you. Praise God. Let's turn our Bibles to, yeah, that's where we ought to go, Exodus 25 and verse 1 and 2. We're going to talk about money. You're probably thinking, uh, well, you're going to talk about giving and all that. Someday, yes, but not today. <clears throat> Exodus 25, 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man <clears throat> that giveth it willingly with his heart ye shall take my offering. Now, I know that we say, oh, God doesn't need anything. Didn't say he needed anything. He said he wanted an offering. You mean God wanted an offering? Well, I don't know unless Moses misquoted it. I, I don't know what that says. God wanted an offering. God is setting a precedent in the nation of Israel. That precedent we will find is still upon the people and the children of God today. What this is, is the offering of generosity. Generosity. You know we are to be generous towards God. And God said, I want you to take from them an offering. In other words, God says, I just want to see what position I hold in their life. It's nothing new. God proved Abraham, and he's proving Israel. We prove him through the tithe and the offering. We prove him every time we respond to a promise. We are proving God. And the word generosity simply means an act of being kind, a person giving something unexpected. Unexpected. So God gives them the opportunity to give him something that only they can measure. Pretty cool. And then generosity is an expression of one's value and priority system. In other words, if you are generous towards God, number one, it must be out of a willing heart. Number two, it must be your free will. That's why there's no... Uh, denominations of, or percentages put on a generosity or a generous gift. And in this generosity, there is a voice. And that voice is, you are a priority. You are valuable. That's what generosity does. If you're generous towards your wife, then she should understand that, you know what? I'm valuable to my husband. I don't require Phyllis to cook, to uh, 
sweep or to clean or I'd do any of that. But I would like to see a chunk of change come my way every once in a while. Well, don't you want hugs and kisses? I'm 72 years old. No. <laughs> Show me the money. <laughs> Be generous. Hallelujah. So, generosity is something that you and I need in our life. It is a byproduct of a heart that has been touched by God and a will that is open to do what God desires for every man to do. God desires for us to be generous. It reveals our identity. Do you know that? Generosity. Well, well, can't we do it some other way? Well, we probably could, but God has chosen generosity in order to reveal to the world who we belong to. Why? Because generosity is the nature of God. God didn't say, I came to give you life. He said, I came to give it to you more abundantly. And he did it willfully out of his heart for mankind. Now, that's what God's grace to us did. God showed himself kind to a rebellious human race. Now, so let's go to uh, John 16, 34. And, no, wait, let's go to Matthew 5, 16. Matthew 5, 16. Remember... I told you that generosity is an identifying factor of the people of God. If we are not generous, if we are not prone to do things or gifts or acts of kindness, we are not identified with God. It's one of the fruits of the spirit of sonship. You know, you've heard of the fruits of the spirit. A lot of people say, well, that's a fruit of the Holy Ghost. No, it's not. Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits. Those are the fruits of the recreated human spirit. And they are put inside of us when we get born again in seed form. After they are put in us, you and I now are responsible for their development. And that's what lets the light so shine. And so they're not the fruits of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has nine gifts. The born-again believer has nine fruits, both proving and verifying that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, Matthew, the fifth chapter and verse 16. Let your light so shine before men 
that they may see your good, what? Good works. You should be doing generous or kind acts in the world. Oh, well, I, you don't have to work out your own salvation, said the man that didn't read verse 16. It says that they may see something must be tangible in order for the world to see. And then it says that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in where? Heaven. And then if you went on down, you would see in verse 48, be ye therefore perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So when we do good works or generous deeds, when we do them, the world recognizes that's not normal. In fact, the Bible says that when people see your good works, it will shut their mouth of complaining and accusing and saying wicked things about you. Well, they talk about me all the time. When was the last time you did anything nice? Now, I know you've told them how bad your pastor is, how bad your church is, how bad you disagree even with God, and that when you get to heaven, you're going to give a, be a head of the complaint department, and you're going to talk to Jesus every day and tell him what he did wrong. That's all they hear from you. So what are they supposed to believe who you are connected with? Because they don't believe what we do is God. We have to start being generous. And these generous acts should be acts of kindness. Some of you, well, I think we're probably all too young to remember the Great Depression. Anybody ever go through the Great Depression? I mean, I, I've had it, but Phyllis read it. No. Do you know who started? There are bread lines in America in the Great Depression. Well, the government. The government had nothing to do with it. It was a man named Rockefeller. Rockefeller. Now, you can complain about him being rich, but... He started food lines. He did acts of kindness. In his day, his mother taught him, as a Baptist, taught him to be a tither. And then she expected him to witness to everybody he met. So he gave away a dime every time he witnessed to somebody. In his lifetime, he gave away 30,000 dimes. That's how many people we witnessed to. And the Rockefeller Corporation in America today is still one of the great contributors 
two charitable organizations in the world. He's not just rich. He was about the Father's business. And we as Christians are to be kind and do things for other people as Jesus placed it, don't do something good like have a meal and invite those that you know you're going to get patted on the back for. No, give them something to eat and do it behind closed doors so your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing. Now, we are to be generous, kind, I know that sometimes it's hard to be kind in a world filled with hate. But you are bigger than the world and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So they are to do acts of kindness. Generosity is something and one of the greater elements that destroys the love of money. If you are wealthy, let's say this, if you have a dollar, let's say this, if you've got 50 cents, you are called to generosity, to destroy the power of the love of money to keep you from falling into the snares that come with wealth. Well, I give to my church. I didn't, I never asked you for an offering. Nikki did. I, 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 generosity has nothing to do with just your church. It has to do with you doing something outside that they may see your good works and say, that guy's got to be a Christian because that's what Jesus would do. Jesus did acts of kindness, ask Jairus. Jesus did acts of kindness when Peter was generous enough to let him use his boat. Jesus was generous back towards him with two boats sinking. Now, it destroys the love of money and puts us in a place where the world sees our love one for another. See, if you love money and the Holy Ghost or you have not developed the fruits of the born-again spirit, recreated spirit or the spirit of sonship that cries Abba Father has not been allowed to take its rightful place, you won't be kind, you'll be greedy. And when you get to heaven, if, and you come up out of that body and Paul said, I brought nothing into the world, I brought nothing and I'm taking nothing out of the world. In other words, I came in buck naked, and I'm going out buck naked. When you look down at your old shabby self, you'll say, man, I should have done something. 
I don't even have a crown. There are more important things than money in a bank account. How about a saved son, a saved daughter? How about a faithful spouse? How about love in your house? Those things are important. And if, if you go to John 13, 34, 35, Jesus says this, I write unto you a new commandment. And this is the new commandment, that you love one another. And that by you loving one another, you will show the world that you are my disciples. Glad you could join us, Rick. Take a seat right there. <laughs> His wife beats him here an hour before time. I'm kidding. And uh, so, let's just say, now, Rick, you know I'm, I'm just trying to embarrass you. Right? Okay. All right. All right. So, <laughs> so, uh, Jesus said, if you love one another, what does love in the church and among ourselves demand? What? Generosity. Absolutely. It's defined. If you see your brother have a need, and if you close up your bowels of love and don't meet that need, then it's a good sign to you that you are not saved. Now, I didn't write that, and I don't even know why John stirred up that mess anyway. No, I'm telling you right now, that our love levels and our expressions, which are generosities that the world can see and that can be experienced, that these things are defining the body of Christ as being lukewarm, not only towards God, because you can't love your brother whom you have seen, you aren't in one fat little twinkling of your eye in love with God who you can't see. Amen. Amen. So, now what he's saying to us is this. If you can walk by your brother, see him struggling in a need, if you can hear about his need and you do nothing, wake up, you are dead. Amen. Amen. Don't you just love coming here? Let me tell you, so our love levels have got to be turned up a notch. You say, but, but they've always got need. Well, Jesus prophesied to you, you always have the poor with you. Don't you remember when you were there? I remember. Praise God. So, you want to destroy the power of the love of money. 
dominating yourself. So you have to be involved, engaged in needs of the church. Let's go to Acts 11, 27 through 30. Wow. Hallelujah. I thank God. Remember I said a couple of weeks ago, judgment is not a fearful thing. It is a wake-up call to let you know God knows right where you're at, and he don't want you to stay there. He wants you to move on. So when judgment comes, you say, oh, man, I feel so bad. Get over it. You couldn't feel bad without God being here. Phyllis tried to condemn me, tried to shame me and all that. Take out the trash and never do not know my word. There's a weed growing on the plate. Don't move me one bit. I tell her, it's probably a lettuce seed. Sprout, cut it off, and put it in a bowl. The other day she said, there's food on these plates. I said, it's clean food. It's been right, went through that dishwasher. Hot water. Purified protein. Just eat it. You know, she just don't use her imagination. She said, we don't need a dog. I said, if we had a dog, we could save on that dishwasher. He'd lick them all clean. Gross. You let your dog lick you right on the lips after licking other things, and you don't think a thing about it. Now you're complaining that I, I should put him to work as dishwashers? There's something wrong with your hygiene uh, list. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God moving right along. See, you get lots of practical money-saving things here. Acts, the 11th chapter, verse 27. And in those days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood one up of them named Agabus. He signified by the Spirit that there should be a great droth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief. What is this? Generosity. Unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. Now, why was he going to do that? Well, so the brothers would have food. In one case, absolutely. But in another case, that they would be armed with generosity in this draw that was going to cover the world. See, the church has got to start responding to people that are in need. Say, well, every time we come to church, we take an offering. Then we take a special offering. Well, I don't know. You want to sew all your pennies and nickels in the casket with you when you go down? No. I want my grandkids to be 
blessed enough that they never have to work. They just go around the world and preach the gospel. Now, I know what's going to happen the first six months. They're going to stand at my coffin and say, God, thank you that he's gone. Then what they're going to understand is that I stopped payment on those checks before I ever wrote them. And if they don't do what I want them to do, they ain't getting a penny. Hallelujah. All right. Now let's look at Luke 3.11. Then we'll continue in our series. I'm telling you, generosity is so important. We must not become inactive. We must be engaged. He answered and said unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none, and he that hath meat, let him do likewise. What is that? I'm not cold. I got two coats. <laughs> and I got a whole pile of lunch meat right here. You're hungry, wet and cold. Too bad. God blessed me. I got enough, me and my house, me and my four. That's right, and no more. Now, what is Jesus telling you here? If he doesn't have one, you don't make a deal with him. You don't give him a land contract on your coat. You don't barter with him for food. You are a generous creature. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but he gave them to man. God's generous. God's generous. Generosity. Your generosity will connect you with kingdom purpose. If you look at Philippians 4.10 through 4.19, Paul says, I thank you that your love, remember, that's what generosity really is, is some form of God love beyond man's need and love for money that is expressed by actions and deeds. And so... Paul said, I thank you that your love for me has flourished again. What is that? Generosity. They didn't have needs. Paul had needs. And they sent to Paul's needs. And he said, because you have been generous, I'll tell you what God's going to do. He's going to meet every one of your needs. Let me use your life as I did Peter's boat and I'll return it to you full. Be involved in life. Be involved in the kingdom of God. But I don't, you don't have to. Just do what the Bible said. I don't understand, me neither. But you do it. Let's go to Romans 15, 26 through 28. 
You know, when I started preparing this, I said, man, God, there ain't nothing in the Bible about generosity, is there? Then I said, oh, man. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles had been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty also is to minister unto them carnal things. Now, who were these people? They were poor people, Christians that were at Jerusalem. You mean there were poor people? Yes, there were poor people. And this other church heard about their condition. And they took up a contribution to send to the church at Jerusalem to care for these people. Generosity. Generosity. Who were these people? They were people from the Macedonia call. They were people whom God led Paul by the Spirit through a dream to go to Macedonia and to put other people on hold. Well, well, why would God do that? I think God knew that Macedonia held a heart of generosity and that they would do right. These people, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 down through 7, it says that the people were in great poverty, great financial affliction. But they heard of these people right here. And when they looked, they could have said, but I'm poor. That's not what they said. What can I do to show them that I consider them more valuable, a top priority in God's kingdom. What can I do? And out of their great joy of being associated with God, I'm a Christian. I know this is not of God. I know this affliction has come, but I am so happy that the devil has sent me a sign that he's afraid of me. They were just dancing and whirling and, you know, grab anything that flies off and out of my pocket, take it and give it to the poor. And they did. And these people said that it was done by a power that was resonant in them beyond their selves. In other words, the powers that faith worketh by love. Faith worketh by love. Not just love for yourself, but love for others. You know, that would bring us to another point. When we see needs, when we hear of needs, you know, I know that we pray, well, let's pray for them, honey. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, can you get your car door yourself? 
Brave N-A-N me we're getting into our new bentley can you just slide over here let's just pray oh god bless those people in the church hallelujah we thank you father and oh, praise the lord make them sterile so they don't have no more kids they'll be blessed and prosperous hallelujah that's about as far as our faith is going for somebody else but what if they were your children What if it was your child that was losing their home? You think you might stay up and turn the reruns of Johnny Carson off and, and pray in the Holy Ghost? Some of you don't even know who Johnny Carson was. He was probably the cleanest uh, night club, night uh, late show talk host, whatever they are. Just take it, my, he was a pretty good guy. And, uh, but, you know, we don't think like that. Just don't rock my boat. Let me ask you something. Have you ever seen a show like The Twilight Zone? These were old shows that, you know, did had movies about things that probably never would happen. So, I seen this one just a couple of weeks ago, and you say, don't you get scared of them? <laughs> I'm married to Phil. What would I be afraid of? Come on. Anyway, this, this uh, family built a shelter. Now, they told everybody, build a shelter. You know, we're going to have a nuclear war. You remember those days in the Cold War, you know, and uh, so I dug one in our backyard for Phyllis. I dug it out, put a 25-gallon plastic barrel down in there and, and a big rock for the top of it, and I figured I'd put her in there a couple weeks and she made it. That's great. If not, then I'd have to fill the hole. Anyway, this guy goes in there, him and his wife and daughter... They hear the siren, well, they run down in there, and their friends are at the house. They said they ran to their houses. Then they ran back to this man's house. Jim, Jim, it's Joe. Come on, we've been friends forever. Let me in. Ah, you ain't getting in here, buddy. We got just enough food and water for us. We told you to get ready, but no, you want new golf clubs. Oh, no, you, you wanted to go out to the nice restaurant. Well, guess what? We aren't opening this door. They're beating on that door. Come on, come on. Let us in. <clears throat> no, you aren't getting in. You're going to die. Then they turned on each other. Jim could open the door. They'd all been dead. But they were fighting and threatening each other and all that. And then here's another sign. False alarm. The power just went out. 
Guess what? Oh, Jim, you know we were just kidding. You weren't just kidding. You wanted something I had. And I didn't have the ability to be generous. A lot of us are in a state because we have not prepared to be generous. Generosity doesn't require just you using money. It requires you joining yourself to kingdom purpose by seed and harvest. 2 Corinthians 9 gives you seed. You sow that seed on purpose so that you can be empowered to minister to people. You still got your poor book, poor envelope? Nikki and Randy has a seed envelope. They put it back every week for poor people. They put it back for people that they find would have a need. Now, who does that? Phyllis, don't let you... Uh, Sharon, you do that. Why do you do that? Because Nikki taught her. Wouldn't it be nice if we all did that and there was a need in our congregation and that need could be met because of the generosity of multitudes instead of just one? Yes. But see, you've got to prepare and the Bible says that God will multiply it, that you'll have sufficiency in all things. And when the saints receive it to meet their needs, they'll give God thanks for your submission to a spirit of generosity. God has enabled us to be lovers of men, not just with human strength. It is by a supernatural fruit called kindness that causes us to do acts of unexpected, unrequired generosity. generosity. I told David the other day, I said, David, I said, my problem is, is that when I see somebody have a need, I want to meet it. And David said, yeah, I know that. That's why I left that sticky note about mine up there on the dashboard, Pastor. <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't do it. Praise God. So, we as Christians need to be generous. Could I get an amen? We need to be generous. Let's go to 1 Timothy 5.17 and we're going to wrap up. An open hand of generosity enlarges the kingdom of God and causes it to be active. There are multitudes of things that churches cannot do because of the lack of generosity in their congregations.
1 Timothy says this, and let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, this is how we release the heart of generosity towards those that labor among us. Thou shalt not muzzle the oxen that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. And against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. I thought I just read that other. Oh, and them that sin rebuke before that others also may fear. I feel like a, one of the three stooges. Every time I get done, I turn my head back. It hasn't changed. <laughs> now, we are to be generous. I can't tell you how many times people complain to me about how speakers take their offering. Well, I just don't like that. I'm not coming to see him. Well, beg your little offended over nothing heart. Now, I mean that because if you are that easily offended, I see after 20 years why you get offended at me. Because you just want something to complain about. The guy comes in, preaches an hour, an hour and a half, works with you, prays for you and all that, and then all you do is complain about an offering. If you don't like the way he does it, don't give. Don't complain. You are not supposed to be a murmurer. Amen? Did I spit on you, Jim? Just smooth it around. There's some dirt spots on the face anyway. You'll... Now, why do people do this? Because they are negative-minded, tainted by the world, and they're ungenerous. We need to be generous. Amen? Absolutely. We need to be generous with our kids, with our grandkids. We need to be generous. With our husbands, we need to be generous. No, I, everybody hold on to the person next to you. Phyllis, after 51 years, gave me a debit card that gets money put on it once a month up to four ninety seven. So I have on my own ate at McDonald's by myself. She said, she said, what's his card out here? The debit card, it's got mine written on it. I said, just leave it alone. It's got two cents on it. And I'm not letting go of those two pennies. <laughs> Generosity. <laughs> now, folks, 
I'm just telling you, generosity. Generosity. It is our nature as the sons and daughters of God. Let's rise up. What would God do to people that would lose their life that they might find the Christ-like life in this world? He'll do anything. He'll do anything. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet. Generosity. Generosity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Generosity. David, did you bring me something today? I was checking deer cameras the other day. David said, why don't these work? I said, they don't have no batteries. Well, I've got batteries at home. I got a whole bunch of them. I said, oh, okay, I'll take them. So David brought me batteries today. Hallelujah. Hopefully I won't get shocked to death putting them in. <laughs> Hallelujah. Generosity. Generosity. Kindness. The value system and the judgment of priority in every believer's life. The identity factor that we are God's people. That which joins us to God's purpose. Generosity. We will find out how to tap in to the supernatural abundance of that next week. Oh, I'm hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands up to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Ashley, can I have that song of that name of Jesus? Hallelujah. If you're here today before she starts that song, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, Jesus came to die for you just like he came to die for me. And I was just like you as everybody in this building that's not a Christian was. They were separated from God. But someday they heard about Jesus. They heard about his love, his grace, they heard about the power of his blood to wash away your sins, to heal your soul, and to make you a child of God. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you might think, oh, but there's so many people here. This is not even involving them. This is between you and Jesus. I'm here to join you in a prayer of agreement when you ask Jesus to come into your heart. Now, you've known the truth. You just have not been ready. You think that the world has more to offer you 
anything you're willing to give up right now. But I'm telling you, it doesn't. Sin is sin no matter how long you live in. It's just the same. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this is the moment that Jesus has waited for. This is a moment that is reaching out and tugging on your heart. You feel it. You know he's here. You know he's waiting for you. You know that he's been dealing with you. And now is your time. So if you're here today while we sing this song, if you would just step out of the aisle, come down, somebody brought you, please bring them with them, with you, and just meet me right here at the altar while this is being sung. Sung, sung.
step out and live what you believe. It just it takes something on the inside. Hallelujah. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father. Come on, pray. Say, Heavenly Father. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for my sins and that he has been raised from the dead and he is now alive. Now, Jesus, I declare you Lord of my life. Now come into my heart and I receive you now and I will live for you as you have died for me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. There you go, young lady. Praise God. Hallelujah. Those people have a book for you about being a Christian. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, whoever that young man came with, make sure that you lead him to the Lord before you get off this parking lot and then you text this church and let us know that he gave his life to Jesus. No matter how fast your feet move, you're not going to get away from what God has for you. So it's time for you just to roll over, cave in, and give it to Jesus. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I praise you, God, for your word that calls us to a depth of active love, God that, God, we will shine like beacons on hills that cannot be hid. That, God, people will know these are they and let them call us the Christ-like ones. Let them call us those that believe. God, let our witness be stronger, God, than our silence. God, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. See you Wednesday night.